Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc slash soap. All right, it is 6 a.m., a magical time of the day, and we are going to jump into 2 Samuel 5. Before we do that, let's um, start with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump in. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you that we can um, wake up this morning and um, just spend time with you. And so, Father, we thank you for these friends. Thank you for um, those who are jumping on now and those who are tuning later on. Father, we pray that your word would bring joy. Your word would bring um, challenges, your word would bring enlightenment and direction. And so, Father, we just pray that you would reveal something new to us this morning. Father, we thank you that um, we have this great day ahead of us, and we look forward in anticipation on how you would choose to um, use us today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for being on soap this morning, everybody. Um, we are in... Second Samuel chapter five. I don't know about you, but sometimes I look into these chapters and I go, Lord, what do you want to say to us today? I'm not sure yet, but then he always reveals something, right? So um, I'm going to ask my good friend Nicole over there to read for us. Unfortunately, there's not too many crazy names in this one. So Nicole, when you're ready. You did read the last verse, right? There's a list in there, so you owe me now. All right. <laughs> okay, good morning, everybody. Um, we are in Second Samuel 5, um, and I'm reading from the NIV version. Uh, verse 1. All the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and said, "What are you? you we are your own flesh and blood. In the past, while Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel on their military campaigns. And the Lord said to you, you will shepherd my people Israel, and you will become their ruler. When all the elders of Israel had come to King David at Hebron, the king made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he became king, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months, and in Jerusalem, he reigned over Israel and Judah 33 years. The king and his men marched to Jerusalem to attack the Jebusites uh, who lived there. The Jebusites said to David, you will not get in here. Even the blind and the lame can ward you off. They thought David cannot get in here. Nevertheless, David captured the fortress of Zion, which is the city of David. On that day, David had said, anyone who conquers the Jebusites will have to use the water shaft to reach those lame and blind who are David's enemies. That is why they say the blind and lame will not enter the palace. Verse 9, David then took up residence in the fortress and called it, in, called it the city of David. He built up the area around it from the terraces inward, and he became more and more powerful because the Lord God Almighty was with him. Now Hiram, king of Tyre, 
sent envoys to David along with cedar logs and carpenters and stonemasons, and they built a palace for David. Then David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people Israel. After he left Hebron, David took more concubines and wives in Jerusalem, and more sons and daughters were born to him. These were the names of the children born to him there. Shamua, Shobab, Nathan, Solomon, Ebar, Elishua, Nepheg, Japhia, Elishama, Eliada, and Eliphilet. When the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, they went up in full force to search for him, but David heard about it and went down to the stronghold. Now the Philistines had come and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hands? The Lord answered, Go, for I will surely deliver the Philistines into your hands. So David went to Baal Perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, As waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies before me. So that place was called Baal Perazim. The Philistines abandoned their idols there, and David and his men carried them off. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord, and he answered, Do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in front of the poplar trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the tops of the poplar trees, move quickly, because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. So David did as the Lord commanded, and he struck down the Philistines all the way to, from Gibeon to Gezer. Thank you, Nicole. Okay, so let us jump in here. Why is my screen looks different, but that's okay. All right, so let me pull up my notes. Let me just make this a little smaller. Okay, there we go. Okay, so let's just look at quickly, um, if you guys have been tracking along, with the previous chapters. So 2 Samuel um, and 1 Samuel are really a continuous book. And in 2 Samuel 4, um, if you remember, we had um, Saul's other son with the interesting name, which Ish Bosheth, which those guys uh, basically assassinated and brought his head to David, expecting a reward. And David is appalled by the actions because they killed an innocent man. And so that kind of leads us into where we are now, into five. Um, let me give you kind of a high level. Well, let's we'll start with a little summary. So um, second Samuel five and primarily focus on the early years of David's reign over Israel. And there's a bunch of lessons that we can draw out of this chapter. Now, the first thing we can look at is um, David's anointing and reign. So in this chapter, um, David is anointed as king over all of Israel, which is fulfilling God's promise to make him king. Now, if you remember, um, this was a long time coming because he was 15 when he was first called to be king. And now David is 30. So there's 15 years have gone by. And this teaches us something about God's faithfulness, right? And God keeps his promises, but it's not always like a snap of the fingers. 
you know, sometimes there's time that goes by that God wants to do something in us. So we know we can see that God's faithful. Um, he keeps his promises. And he's also pretty selective in the leaders that he puts out there. Now, we can see that God selects leaders based on several characteristics, right? So he's looking at heart. David is known as a man after God's own heart. He's looking at character. Um, David is humble and faithful. Now, if we look at timing, um, I have this book, which I'm not sure if you guys know, but there's a series called, I don't know if you can see this, but it's called Walk Through the Old Testament, and it's kind of a survey, and it has this little summary page where it's something like this, where it shows you um, kind of timelines and things, which I find interesting. So this is about a thousand years uh, before Jesus, and it's about halfway between Abraham and Christ, right? So somewhere right in the middle, we have David. Um, he's in Hebron, and it's about seven and a half years before he goes from here to Jerusalem. So just a little background there. Okay, so in this, David's anointing and reign, there's one other thing we can notice, right? God's timing is perfect, and we don't always know when God is going to activate um, your call, just like David didn't know exactly when this was going to happen, right? So I want to share with you an example of this. Um, you all know me as Pastor Sean, but I wasn't always Pastor Sean. I was um, Sean, the IT professional for many years. And my call Morning. Um, happened in 1995. And it took me 13 years to wise up to follow that call in 2008. Now, sometimes it's harder to obey um, when stakes are higher, but that might be telling us that maybe this is the right time because if it was easy, you know, maybe everyone would be doing it, right? Everyone would be um, giving up everything to follow God like David did. So, you know, the Bible tells us to obey is to sacrifice. Now, I want to say that everyone's called to a specific purpose at a specific time, right? Just like David, right? He was called, faithful, obedient, and then he became king at the appointed time that God had for him. Now, um, Jeremiah, we all know Jeremiah 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, a couple of things about um, that verse that everybody knows, it says, for I know the plans, plural. So God's going to do different things in you at different times, right? Now, don't confuse a hope and a future with your wants and desires, right? They're two different things. So God's plans and God's hopes for you are a kingdom-minded purpose, so what plans does God have for you within the gifting and skills and experience and places you find yourself in, all right? So what does God want to do with me for the purposes of his kingdom? Okay, now, 
David waited for well, 15 years, right? He did a lot of things in those 15 years. Um, we have bias, we have various things that happened. And so what you do in the waiting matters, right? So let me give you, you know, I like to give you numbers of things, list of things. So, so what you do in the waiting period matters. So I don't know if you guys uh, listened to the sermon yesterday by Danielle. It was fire. It was amazing, right? And she said one thing that I wrote down that I'm like, I'm going to use this all the time. So first thing you have to remember <laughs> waiting is, is that make sure you guys' um, mics are muted there. Um, remember that your identity is in Christ. And she made this statement, which I thought was incredible. She said, identity is received and not achieved, right? If we can just understand that, I think <laughs> we'll be totally okay. And um, she shared with us in the um, sermon notes yesterday a document with 100 identity statements. And I'm not going to read 100 points to you this morning, but I did want to read a few of them to you. So as we're in the waiting period, we need to remember that identity is in Christ. And I'm just going to list off a few for you right here. So one, I'm a child of God, right? John 1, 12. I'm the light of the world, Matthew 5, 14. Um, I'm a joint heir with Christ, Romans 8, 17. I'm forgiven all my sins, Ephesians 1, 7. I'm filled with the Holy Spirit of promise, Ephesians 1, 13. He who started good work in me will finish it, Philippians 1, 6. My citizenship is in heaven from which I eagerly await his coming, Philippians 3, 20. I can rejoice in the Lord always, Philippians 4, 4. So just a few identity statements there. If you haven't downloaded that document from the Fusion Notes, go get it. Um, there's a second document there, which is like a bunch of declarations of purpose. Get it, read it. That's your real identity. Study it, believe it, right? Okay, so in the waiting, the first thing that matters is identity. The second thing is, we all know, we notice that David seeks God's guidance, right? So be faithful in prayer, study the Word, you know, be in community, join a group. Um, Proverbs eleven fourteen says, "Where there is no guidance, a people fails." Or another version says, "Where there's no vision, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety." And some versions will say victory, right? So, being in a being around an abundance of wise counselors is a wise thing to do. You know, it gives us, um, it allows us to find God's guidance. Um, I don't know if you remember in the chapter, um, David defeats the Philistines. And then for the second time, he goes back and the Philistines had taken some land again. And David actually had experience at this point, right, of of defeating them. But yet, what does he do? He goes back and he seeks the Lord's guidance and what should I do? And the Lord gives him different instruction the second time. So 
so David seeks God's God's guidance, and we should be persistent in that and not assume that we know better, because as we know, God always knows better than us. Okay, number three. Um, all right, look back. So these are these are five things to do when you're waiting on God. So one was know your identity, two, seek God's guidance, and three, look back at what God has done and remember that there are blessings yet to come. Isaiah 30, 18 says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he waits on high to have compassion on you. So remember what God has done for us in the past, but remember that there are blessings yet to come, and God longs to bless us and be gracious to us. That means he's just waiting for us to align with his will. And number four, um, as you wait on God, see it as an opportunity to experience God's goodness. So Psalm 27, 13 says, I remain confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, right? God loves us. God cares about us. Um, he has plans for us. He has good things for us. And then number five, as you wait on God, serve others, right? God has gifted you with skills, um, passions, environments, jobs, um, all places where you can serve God, where you are at that moment. And as you serve God, he will reveal things to you. Um, you'll find community, you'll find blessing. Um, it's just uh, it's the right thing to do, right? God blesses us as we serve him because we're called to be his hands and feet. Okay, so let's jump into another theme or another uh, big idea from this chapter. Now, um, David, so there was one of David's achievements was bringing unity to Israel. Now, before his reign, there was division among the tribes. Um, and so in this chapter, chapter 5, you see David is able to unite the northern and southern tribes into one kingdom, um, which in itself should be a lesson of unity for us, right? Where is that disunity? You know, where is it that we can bring unity? It might not be um, in the same context in tribes. It might be in your family. It might be in a team at work. It might be with some friends. You know, what humility is God calling us to so we can be an agent of unity with God's people? Okay. Um, next thing we can learn from this chapter is David trusting God, right? And I mentioned this before. Um, we see that David inquires of the Lord before taking any major actions, such as attacking the Philistines. And even when he was successful the first time, after he was successful, he would think, I have experience, I know what to do. He still inquires after God, right? So this teaches us the importance of seeking God's guidance and direction in our decisions and our actions, even when we think we know what to do. 
because sometimes we think wrong, right? Sometimes we need God's intervention. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us um, maybe to a different decision or to maybe not do something that we think we should be doing. Okay, um, next one is, so victory over adversaries. So David's um, military victories over the Philistines and the capture of Jerusalem demonstrates that God can grant success and deliverance to his chosen leaders. It reminds us of the importance of relying on God's strength in the face of adversity, right? So we might not be facing um, literal Philistines like David, but what are the... Um, what are the adversities that we are facing right now? What are the things that we are going to come up against? And as people who are following God, as people who are leaders, it's important for us to rely on God's strength, right? Especially in the face of adversity. Yeah, everyone doing okay? We're at 20, okay. All right, next. Um... So in this chapter, we find Jerusalem becomes the capital. David conquers Jerusalem and makes it the capital of his kingdom. And as we continue in Samuel, this choice is very significant because Jerusalem will become the spiritual and political center of Israel for centuries. So... As we all know, um, Jerusalem is a very contentious place right now. But this is the place that God chose um, to make this this uh, spiritual center for Israel. Okay, so let's look a little bit at um, David's character. Now, David's actions in this chapter reflect his character as a leader, right? He shows... Gratitude, he shows humility, right? As he as he chooses to praise God in his victories, um, his willingness to live in a tent um, while the Ark of the Covenant is brought to Jerusalem. And so this just highlights the importance of humility and gratitude in leadership, right? Sometimes we need to um, do the simple things or the hard things or sometimes we need to um, live in a tent right and what does that mean for us you know sometimes we need to um, you'll often see I'll give you a good example of this um, if you've been around fusion for any period of time and you've watched Pastor Brendan walk around the uh, foyer or whatever who's the first one to pick up a piece of paper or um, I don't know, you know, mop off or do whatever needs to be done, right? That is humility. That is character, right? And that's how we lead by example is we do the things that sometimes we don't want to do. Sometimes we have to demonstrate um, what it is to be a leader by getting in front, right? Sometimes we just have to do the hard things because those are the things that are going to demonstrate character. Those are the things that are going to allow people to trust us. Those are, the, those are the things that are going to allow people to have a relationship with us. Why? Because it's in that relationship 
that were well to share um, the gospel of Jesus Christ for someone, right? And so whatever it takes for us to gain influence through humility and gratitude, God's calling us to do that. Okay, um, the final theme from chapter five is God's presence, right? So the chapter ends with the reference of um, the presence of God being with David. And this just underscores the idea that David's success and leadership are ultimately rooted in his relationship with God, right? David would not have been the leader he was uh, without the relationship with God. He would not have the achievements he had without his relationship with God, because everything he did was rooted in his relationship with God. So for us, it shouldn't be any different, right? Everything we do, we should be seeking God, seeking wise counsel, studying his word, spending time in prayer, right? Now, there's another, see, we have a few minutes left. I think we can do some of this. So as we look at David, we have to recognize that David is a leader and a good leader. Not perfect, right? He makes some mistakes. So these first five chapters is about his reign. But as you get further into Samuel, um, so chapters 1 through 5, actually 1 through 10, the kind of headlines would be political triumphs, spiritual triumphs, military, military triumphs. And then as we get to 2 Samuel 11, we start getting into David's failures, David's transgressions, David's sins, and later on, it moves to David's troubles. And so we can recognize that he is not perfect, but he is a man after God's own heart, and he is a leader. So let's look at some of the things, some of the leadership lessons, really quick that we can get out of this chapter. So one, what was David? He was patient and persistent, right? He became um, king of Israel, but it took years and patience. So good leaders are patient and persistent. And we often have to persist in the face of obstacles and setbacks like David did. Right? So be a good leader is patient, persistent. Okay, David recognized the value of unity and collaboration, right? Um unity was important. You know, eventually the tribes came together. Um, there were alliances, and effective leaders understand the value of collaboration and seek people, and not just any people, right? We are seeking out godly people to achieve common goals. And what's our greatest goal? Our greatest goal is to make Jesus known in all the nations. And so who are the people that can help us achieve our goals? Um, David led by example, right? He was a skilled military leader. He would often lead his troops into battle, um, being at the front. And so leading by example and being willing to do the same work as your team can earn respect and loyalty. So some fantastic things we can learn from David here about leadership. Um, David uh, respected tradition, right? So he showed respect for the historical and religious traditions of the Israelites. And as leaders, we should be 
mindful of the traditions and values of the people we're around. Um, I'll give you a good example of this. I spent um, some time in India over a period of three years um, doing some missions trips and work there. And, of course, the culture is different. You know, the language is different. But I found that, and let me first say, I don't speak Hindi. I can't speak Hindi, but I know a few phrases and words. But every place I've been to, when I try to speak their language, they appreciate it because they recognize that you value their culture, they value that you value um, who they are and you know their identity. And so um, um, respecting tradition and values and it's a way to allow us to connect to people, right? By grasping some of the things that they are and, and recognizing them in that way. Um, so respecting tradition. Okay, David was adaptable. And after he captured, you know, Zion, Jerusalem, he had to adapt and overcome a lot of challenges to establish it as the capital of Israel. So we can learn from him that good leaders are flexible. We have to adapt to changing circumstances and find creative solutions um, to problems. Okay, um, we already spoke about... Um, listening to counsel um, earlier when we were talking about what do you do in the time of waiting. Um, all right, this is what I really like. So David cared for the well-being of his followers. So David provided for his people, cared for their well-being. And so effective leaders prioritize the needs and welfare of our followers or your team Ensuring safety, security, and basic needs are met, right? That's what leaders do. Okay, and this one might be the most important. Um, David was a good spiritual leader. So David acknowledged God's role in his leadership. He sought divine guidance through prayer and worship um, continually, right? <laughs> and so leaders who recognize when we recognize our own limitations and seek spiritual or moral guidance, those are the leaders we can trust, right? Those are the leaders who can provide a sense of purpose to those they lead. Um, yeah, we've got a minute or so. So David was also a visionary, right? He had strategic vision. David had a vision for the United Kingdom of Israel, right? He had a vision for bringing the, the divided kingdom together, and he worked strategically to achieve it. So leaders need to have, we need to have a clear vision and to be able to communicate and execute that vision effectively. You see how um, God's word is not just things to do and not to do, but there's such key stuff in your about leadership, about just everything if we look for it. And then the final point I want to make is um, David celebrated success, right? So when David captured Jerusalem and established it as capital, he celebrated with joy and thanksgiving. And we have to recognize, recognizing and, celebrate, and celebrating achievements worth our team or whatever it is, 
is a great thing to create a great working environment. And David recognized that. So there you have it. So we have, so for me, my key takeaways from this were, you know, sometimes is a period of waiting, right, before God activates you into his purpose. What do we do in that time of waiting? We recognize God's um, identity. We have God's identity, but we seek guidance. We look back and remember what God has done and look forward to what he will still do. We see it as an opportunity to experience God's goodness and to serve others. And then we also learned a lot about leadership. So I hope you guys have learned something today that you found some application for yourself. Um, I find it personally incredible when you read these things, right? And you find God takes you to totally something different to what you were thinking um, he was going to teach you. So thank you for being on with us today. Let me pray for you guys and I will let you be on your merry way. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for um, David, who was a man after your own heart. Father, would you allow us to be men and women after your own heart? Father, would you allow us to take the time to be molded by you, to seek the plans that you have for us for the, for the purposes of your kingdom, that your name would be made known, that the name of Jesus would be proclaimed throughout the nations. Father, we just pray for each one today, for the realities that they are living in. Father, we pray that maybe there's a lesson um, from David that will sustain um, each one of them, Father, something that they would carry with them today, maybe a truth from the um, the document with 100 identity statements, Father, maybe that's something um, somebody needs to read today, just to remember um, who we are in you, because we recognize that identity is received and not achieved. So, Father, we thank you for your love. I pray that you would use each one um, that's listening to this, Father, that you would bless them, that you would meet them where they are, and, Father, that you would challenge them today to live out um, your call for each one. So we pray this in the powerful and strong name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everyone. Have a great day.